Now a reading from the book of Ecclesiastes. So I hated life, because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun, because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. Yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair all over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then they must leave all they own to another who is not toiled for it. This, too, is meaningless and a great misfortune. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days their work is grief and pain. Even at night their minds do not rest. This, too, is meaningless. And now chapter 4. And I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This, too, is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God, question mark. <laughs> it will get better, but it's going to get worse before we get better today, okay? So just hang with me, all right? I grew up in Milwaukee, and I have been a fan of the Milwaukee Bucks for a very long time. The team hadn't won a championship since 1971, years before I was born. And I wondered whether or not I'd seen th see them win another championship in my lifetime. But last year, it happened. And it's even more satisfying because the Becks, Bucks mega superstar is a level-headed guy. His name is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Try and say that a few times really fast. He's affectionately known as the Greek freak because he hails from Greece and has an incredible otherworldly kind of talent. He's already been the league MVP twice, a five-time All-Star, Defensive Player of the Year, and now an NBA champion who was awarded the Finals MVP. He's a superstar with perspective. And there are some that think that Giannis should jockey to position himself to become the face of the NBA. Check out what he said. I don't care about being the face of the NBA. KD, who's Kevin Durant, or Harden, James Harden, can be. I want to be with my kids and my family. I want to win and enjoy the game. I want to be Giannis, the hard worker. <laughs> That's cool, isn't it? In the midst of all of the successes, Giannis maintains perspective about what's really important to him. Now, if you love sports, that was a fairly robust sports reference. And if you don't love sports, well, we're all done with sports references for today, okay? <laughs> mostly, mostly. So what is success? Is it fame? Is it making a certain amount of money? Is it possessing the right kind of home or homes? 
Is it having the perfect family? Is it receiving the certain set of accolades or being recognized as a leader or an innovator within your field or your industry? How do you quantify success? And how do you deal if you don't acquire any of those things? What if you don't ever achieve that kind of recognition? Or if you do, what happens? What if it doesn't satisfy you the way that you thought it would? And what if you aren't able to make the sort of contributions you hope to make in your field or your industry or your home? Well, we're in the third week of our series called It's a New Year, Now What? And we're exploring a lesser-known book of the Bible called Ecclesiastes, and it's written by a skeptic named Kohelet, whose name means teacher or preacher. And it's a very interesting book because it reflects on the meaning of life in terms of the here and now. And the writer doesn't hold to any sense of a conscious afterlife, like later scriptural writings from the prophet Isaiah. It makes this book rather unique within the Hebrew scriptures and within the entirety of the Bible. Kohelet does, however, recognize God as the giver of what is good, calling them gifts. And amidst Kohelet's bleak outlook, there is a sense of humility. He says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Never be rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be quick to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven, and you upon earth. Therefore, let your words be few. It seems that God feels distant to Kohelet. Kohelet uses this phrase, life under the sun, over and over again throughout the book. And essentially, he wonders that if this life, life under the sun, is all there is, then all that happens really is meaningless. Kohelet says throughout the book that he's tried to construct his own meaning in life, and he's failed. It's vapor. It's breath. It's meaningless. And oftentimes, it's even burdensome. And when Kohelet talks about work, it's no different. Achievement, success, or accomplishment could not fill the void. Let's look back at the opening part of the scripture. Verse 17, so I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. You see, the writer discovered that a life built on work was not worth it. Well, why not? And before you quit your job, let's explore this a little bit further. Because we're going to see that he doesn't recommend dropping out of the system either. But let's explore why building your life on work fails. And this is a big issue in our culture. We have elevated work ethic to a religion. So let's explore what the religion of work promises. First, let's look at the writer's summary statement uh, here in verse 18. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. What we learned last week was that the writer of Ecclesiastes was a person of considerable means. And they tried to find pleasure in accumulating stuff and, and building homes and gardens and parks to enjoy. But none of it satisfied. 
Kohelet had the means of achieving wealth, power, and status. But in the end, he found that it was breath, vapor, meaningless. The pursuit and possession of the things he really wanted didn't give him the kind of satisfaction that he so desperately longed for. Hear me, we're not saying that there's something immoral about being successful in the corporate world. Kohelet shows us that success fails on its own terms, though. And let's look at what success itself claims to deliver. Let's judge it on its own terms. Why do we work? Why do we go through all the pain of work? It's because we expect success to pay off in three ways. We expect our work to bring us satisfaction, to give us recognition, and to make a contribution in this world. Does work deliver on what it promises? And the answer every single time is no. So let's explore these three questions uh, really quickly. Does work satisfy? The meaningful books about work, uh, both from a non-religious and a religious perspective, say that you're not successful unless you're functioning in your passion, doing what you were really meant to do. Do you remember what we read just a few minutes ago? Verse 22. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days, their work is grief and pain. Even at night, their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. Kalit shows us that work brings us pain, grief, and worry. And the exertion of work can grind us down no matter what field or industry that we're in. It can be painful even when things are going really well. Work brings us grief because it doesn't matter what you do, there will be ups and downs. And because of the unknowns, work causes us to worry. We lose sleep at night. Sometimes you'll get the promotion and sometimes you're passed over. The stock market, the housing market, the crypto market, they all go up and down. They all change. Quarterly earnings don't always match expectations. And at times, you'll have a great team. And at other times, not so much. And sometimes, a sermon stinks. <laughs> and as a fan of baseball, even the greatest hitters of all time failed to get a hit two out of three at bats. That was the other sports reference, by the way. Now we're done. <laughs> so we take care not to build our lives on careers and success because it isn't a foundation worth building upon. There's pain when we expect success in our work to pay off in satisfaction. But there's also frustration when we expect success in our work to bring recognition. Does work bring recognition? See, if satisfaction is the psychological payoff, recognition is the social payoff. To some people, success just means money, but in some fields, you don't make much money. But the one thing that success always means is esteem, approval, acclaim, recognition. People know me and they respect me because I'm 
a success. The ones selling their art and the one making deals on Wall Street probably don't have the same income, but it doesn't matter because success equals recognition. Well, when recognition becomes the chief goal in life, it's easy to become isolated and to alienate the people around you because the pursuit of success dominates everything. Kohelet also points out the frustration we can encounter when we expect that our work can make a contribution. We've all heard that to be really successful, you've got to leave a legacy. You want to do something that counts, that makes a difference, that has staying power. You want to be remembered as a great fill-in-the-blank and be remembered for fill-in-the-blank. Does work make a contribution? Well, with stark realism, Kohelet pushes back hard on this idea. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish, yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This, too, is meaningless. Sheesh. Is this getting a little too real or depressing yet? And some of you might be thinking, Kurt, this got depressing right out of the gate before you even started, just when you started reading the scripture. Did you ever think that Sears or Oldsmobile, or if you're a Gen Xer, Napster would go away? (laughs) We don't really have any idea how our work, our success, or our legacy will be handled by those that come after us. And this is exactly why we don't build our lives on the success of our work. Okay, so just a little bit more realism before we get to the constructive stuff. Before we can now smile, okay? Just a little bit more of like the uh, Debbie Downer, all right? If we know that the pursuit of success in our work can't give us what we're looking for, then why do we do it? Kohelet says, And I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Yikes, the answer is envy. Ouch! Kohelet is saying that we're never satisfied in the pursuit of success in our work because someone's always got one more. We don't get the recognition we crave because someone's always more popular. And in our efforts to make a contribution that we believe matters in this world, we often overwork ourselves and burn out, which keeps us from making the kind of contribution we intended to make in the first place. And when we get jaded by these seemingly meaningless pursuits, we are tempted to underwork or just stop working altogether. Kohelet speaks with stark realism to this as well. And then finally points the hearer to a constructive conclusion. Listen to this. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after 
the wind. So giving up isn't an option. You can't survive on zero handfuls. And two handfuls will just cause you heartache. There's a constructive option here, though. Kohelet gives us something to work with. And this is the crux of the message. It's better to have one handful with tranquility. It's about contentment. Now, I realize that some of you might be thinking, sheesh, Kurt, that's a long, winding road to get to this payoff. I know, I know it is, but isn't life oftentimes like that? It takes a while for us to kind of get to the heart of things. Now, I know that none of you have ever wrestled with being beholden to the pursuit of success. But for those of us that have, we recognize that we need help and encouragement to embrace contentment. And this is the key in our search for success. It's contentment. Kohelet said, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil. In the Hebrew, this word that's translated tranquility could literally be quietness or rest. So contentment is about rest. It's about stillness. It's about being at rest. It doesn't chase after things or burn itself out. It finds its rest in the midst of the work. Now, Ecclesiastes gives us the answer, but it's helpful to look beyond the book to discern the practice of contentment. And notice the language there. Unfortunately, we don't achieve contentment one time and then we're good for life. It's a continual practice. It's a discipline. It's a way of being, a way of life. So how do we get there? How do we find this kind of tranquility in the midst of our work so that our efforts don't oscillate from one chasing after the wind to another? We find this tranquility, this contentment, this rest within an invitation from Jesus Christ. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. There it is. There's the rest that we need. And how do you get it? Well, first of all, Jesus says, come to me. It's not, hey, do all these things, get your checklist, and get all these things ticked off. No, he says, come to me, a person. It's not an argument. It's not a doctrine. It's a person. We find our rest, our contentment, when we engage with the person of Jesus Christ and all those that Jesus loves. And we do this as we gather for worship, as we come to the communion table, as we read and hear the stories in Scripture that point us to Him, as we follow the Spirit's leading to share God's love with others, both inside and outside of these walls as we steward this beautiful world that God has given to us, and as we care for the people that God has placed in our lives. Jesus invites us into the rest we seek and the contentment that we need. Jesus showed us how to live and how to love. And when we recognize that we have what we need in Jesus and we find our rest in him, 
We can work just for the sheer joy of it. We can help others not to feel better about ourselves, but because we really like helping people. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil. That's the mythical balanced life. You might need to go from two handfuls of work to one with tranquility. And that'll mean less work done, less recognition, less contribution, but finally the only contribution that will last. The only achievement that will last forever under the sun and well past it. And the only rest and the only contentment that will allow the work you do to be satisfying. This year, may we resolve to choose one handful with tranquility rather than two handfuls with toil. In other words, when it comes to work, may we choose contentment. May this be our resolution. Amen.